Yes, you've tuned into another episode of Comedy History 101. Yes, this is part two of a two-part episode on the history of Mad Magazine. Oh, by the way, we've been discussing what we should call our loyal fans here at Comedy History 101. You know, our loyal listeners. Um, We've come up with possibly the name Com Hissers. If you like that, be sure to comment on iTunes or our website, Comedy History 101. And just a quick plug before we jump into part two of our history of Mad Magazine. I have a new book coming out July 30th called Tribe Spotting Undercover Culture Stories. It's all about my true life undercover exploits infiltrating cultural tribalism in America. You can check out the book on Amazon.com. And without further ado... Juvenile delinquency, the 50s term for bad kids. It scared parents and preachers, psychologists and politicians. Now, it may be hard to believe, but many loudly condemned the influence of comic books. One writer called comics the marijuana of the nursery, the curse of kids. But through crafty maneuvering, one comic book, Mad, avoided this version of censorship and even thrived because of it. What you heard there was a, it was a clip from a History Channel special on Mad Magazine. And why we are laminating on Mad Magazine is after 67 years, Mad Magazine is going to cease publication. And yes, you've tuned into part two of our history of Mad Magazine here on Comedy History 101. Where we school you in comedy. I, of course, am Harmon Leon, and with me as always, Scott Kalanico. Scott, how have you been since part one of our History of Mad magazine? Uh, well, let's see, Harmon. I've been a little hot. It is a little hot over on this side of the pond, as we say. Um, but other than that, I've been looking forward to part two. Ah, yeah, yeah. So, um, want to do a little recap with me? Uh, part one, we talked about, uh, well, first, the origins of Mad Magazine. And again, we're going to continue continue our conversation with Joe Rayola. Yeah, he was the editor and writer for Mad Magazine for 33 years. This all focuses on a story I have in theobserver.com where I interviewed Joe. That was sort of the catalyst for this podcast. Um, so, as as we heard up front, uh, Mad Magazine uh, was kind of a contributor to juvenile delinquency. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, uh, there's this iconic photo of Jimi Hendrix reading Mad Magazine while a hairstylist is working on his hair. Have you ever seen I that? I think I have, now that you mention it, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to drop it in uh, on our site, Comedy History uh, 101. But uh, what I love about that is, like, Jimmy has just a huge smile on his face, and he's reading an issue of Mad Magazine. And what I like to think is when Jimi Hendrix played, you know, that iconic version of the Star Spangled Banner at Woodstock, I like to think that Jimmy was kind of doing his Mad Magazine take on the national anthem. 
Don't you agree or disagree? Kind of, I like that. No, I mean, now that I've uh, I've kind of recalled that photo, it's yeah, it's 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 it just talk about the photo for our readers or listeners if they haven't seen it. It's uh, Jimi Hendrix and they wearing a purple <laughs> a purple uh, top and looks like um, maroon red pants. Um, reading a uh, magazine of uh, reading a Mad magazine, getting his hair worked over by a young lady. Um, making him look his best for a show, I guess, probably that evening. So, like uh, like we mentioned in uh, last last week's episode is Mad Magazine not only influenced Jimi Hendrix, but it also influenced uh, someone that was probably a favorite of yours, Roger Ebert, who actually got into <laughs> Wait, well, um, critiquing... Why is he a favorite, of, the, why is he a favorite of mine? <laughs> um, because, well, first, did he write... Um, Beneath the Valley of the Dolls. Oh yeah, that's right. He, 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 he okay, sure. I'll give it. But second, uh, you are a filmmaker, and he is kind of the most iconic uh, filmmaker in history, or he, he's the he, iconic film critic in history. And he did write the classic line, "This is my happening," and it really freaks me out. So um, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, we've used that in uh, a video or two. Yeah. Um, so he got into. Uh, 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 Film reviewing and film critiquing because of Mad, because of their spoofs on uh, movies, which kind of just you know highlighted the cliches that are are seen and heard in, in films. Terry Gilliam, you know, his amazing animation he did for Monty Python. He said, uh, you know, he was heavily influenced by Mad Magazine. Patti Smith, uh, the punk poetess. Loved Mad Magazine. She said, uh, you know, something after Mad, drugs were nothing. So the list goes on and on. But one person who really was influenced by Mad Magazine was the man who who um, we interviewed, uh, Joe Rayola, who um, worked for Mad Magazine. Um, here is Joe's thoughts on the first time he came across Mad Magazine. I re- the first stuff I remember were the song parodies. I used to love Frank Jacobs stuff. Um, uh-huh. And I don't remember what issue it was, but I remember the songs. Off we go into the lunchroom yonder, shoving girls out of the way. Hurry, boys, move on down that counter. Hurry up, fill the tray. Try the beans they prepared last Friday. And the meat is tough as a mule. The bread's got mold, the soup is cold. Yuck, anything beats the lunchroom at our school. Now, so that's so. Uh, there's two interesting things about uh, song parodies in Mad. Uh, first, um, who, who do you think was really, really? We're talking about influences that Mad has had on, uh, you know, kind of our comedic and cultural heroes. Uh, mm-hmm. Who do you think was really kind of influenced uh, to take off on a career in song parodies uh, because of reading Mad magazine? <laughs> oh, I would guess probably the. The only song parodist I could think of, uh, which would be Mad, uh, not Mad, uh, Weird Al. He's 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 oh. Mad, Mad Al. <laughs> I think in the more recent years, um, uh, he was like a guest editor on Mad, uh, Weird Al. And really? There's a there's a photo of him on the cover of Mad magazine. Uh, hey, yeah. I was yeah, just going to say, Harmon, I've got I've got an update for those of the those of our uh, you know our, our close followers. Our, I don't want to say comedy history one on one nerds, but just people who are uh, sticklers 
for uh, wait, we, but we, should we have a term for them? I, I mean, like we have ninety nine pi calls their fans like beautiful nerds. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. Would, would would um if you are a listener and want to be termed as something, right. <laughs> be sure to send us an email via our website, Comedy History yeah. One Hundred and One, or, or you can Instagram. Leave- yeah. Or Twitter. Yeah, send us a tweet, you know. Um, yeah, okay, so for all the to-be-named comedy 101 nerds out there, for, for the record, Harmon, that I just did a little research, and the magazine, Mad Magazine, that Jimi Hendrix is holding is magazine, Mad Magazine number 113 from September of 1967 in that photo. <laughs> and what year was Woodstock? Woodstock was 69, of 69, course. Yeah. Yeah. It's the 50th anniversary in yeah. uh, August, so... Yeah, there you go. Jimi Hendrix, who blew people's minds, is probably having his mind blown away by Mad Magazine. Mad and Magazine. As we, yeah, and as we stated in, in, in the last episode that, uh, you know, it, Mad appealed to the counterculture, but yet via the editorial staff was kind of square. Kind of a mm-hmm. bunch of squares doing this great satirical, um, you know, comedic uh, magazine that took on the establishment. But that's what sort of made it kind of cool. Like, you know, they would make fun of the establishment, but they'd also poke fun at hippies. Yeah, you can make fun of hippies. The lighter side side of hippies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And what would they have in that? That would be like a hippie who was, like, taking money from his parents to buy his drugs or whatever. Oh, right, okay. And then yeah. the dad would always be wearing socks and he'd have a pipe. I think Dave. that was like what Dave Berg actually <laughs> Dave, looked Dave like. Dave Berg, yeah, now some people were saying that's what he looked like. <laughs> yeah. So here's the, okay, so um, I teased out that there was two things interesting um, about what that song parody that Joe uh, was influenced by. Um, the second was um, not only did it influence Weird Al Yankovic, but it ac- actually legally paved the way for Weird Al Yankovic to have a career because um, Mad actually got sued by Irving Berlin, songster Irving Berlin. The copyright case involved a Frank Jacobs book that was called Sing Along with Mad, which came out late, which came out, I don't know the exact years of that. You'd have to check out the exact years. Uh, Sing Along with Mad, yeah, that was... Irving Berlin and a bunch of people sued Mad over that because um, they didn't like their songs being made fun of. Essentially, the yeah. um, the a court ruled that that like twenty three of the twenty five songs um, were satires by the judge's view, but two of the songs, both written by Irving Berlin. The judge ruled against Mad. He said that the titles and the and the lyrics of the song were too similar to the real song. So Ga- so Gaines actually accepted mm-hmm. that. Gaines, hard to believe because this was not in Bill's character. Bill yeah. was ha- was happy with the decision, but Irving Berlin appealed it. The the fact that only two of those songs were considered not satire didn't didn't please him so he appealed the whole thing and and the yeah. case was and the case was heard by this judge who had put the rosenbergs to death <laughs> irving <laughs> 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 the, the, I, this is true irving r kaufman 
was the judge yeah. who heard Irving Berlin's appeal, and that's what he was most famous for, electrocuting the Rosenbergs. Oh and 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 he made the famous ruling in Mad's favor across the board and his fame his famous line was that Irving Berlin does not own iamic pentameter. And hmm. and and Berlin appealed the case again. And the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, refused to hear the appeal, and that is why Weird Al Yankovic has a career. <laughs> well, Harmon, again, just to, to appeal to our yet-to-be-named comedy nerds uh, out there in the audience, uh, the actual court case is called Berlin versus EC Publications, Inc., um, and the appeal was in 1964. Um, so, I mean, yeah, the main thing is is that interesting that uh, Berlin didn't didn't like the, uh, the 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 judgment he got. Went back to try to get a better one, and in the end, kind of lost it all and opened the way for Weird Al. Yeah, exactly. And that the judge who presided over the case. Uh, was responsible for electrocuting the Rosenbergs. Yeah, that's okay. That's something else. <laughs> um, that was there were was it nineteen fifties or World War Two era um, uh, uh, potential spies? That was, was like that yeah, case? it was like nineteen fifties. Yeah, it was after the war. Yes, yeah, so they they gave the secrets to the atomic bomb was their uh, claim to infamy. But also, while we're on this, just again, just to appealing yeah. to the nerds, Harm, I just I found another little bit of trivia. Also, who was on the court during the appeal? It was the appeal in the United States Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit. Um, Judge Thorogood Marshall was 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 on that. Future Supreme Court Justice was on that. So he he was a fan of Mad, maybe even back then. Oh wow, yeah, and again, that also led to. Um, Say Hustler magazine being able to parody Jerry Falwell. Yeah, that's right. Oh boy. Yeah, we'll have to get we'll have to get into that one. But yeah, so interesting. So basically, Mad came back, and then in their editorial, they would uh, in their or in their copy, they would say it. You could sing it to this tune. <laughs> you might choose to sing it in in the style of Irving <laughs> yeah, Berlin. Yeah, right, it's only yeah. a suggestion. <laughs> but you would think, you know, so Mad, you know, known for this satirical, you know, uh, nothing's off limits for Mad. But there was a few things, uh, editorial guidelines uh, for Mad magazine, like um, there was no nudity. Maybe occasionally, you know, in a, in a, in a movie satire, there'd be like a, a, like a brief glimpse of nudity. Um, there was no swearing. Do you, do you remember any swearing other no. than black? No, black, black. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, just just a side note before I go down this avenue is so Irving Berlin, uh, you know, sued to get his stuff, you know, not to be made fun of. But uh, actually, this does tie in. So with the movie things, they became so popular. Uh, the movie satires and mad. At first, movie studios hated it. But then they started pitching mad that, you know, to say, will you please make fun of us? <laughs> will you please satirize our movie? Because it, and then it became, like, cool to be satirized in mad. Yeah, I remember so the thing was for me was, like, 
that's what you would go if it was like an R-rated movie or something you couldn't see as a kid. You'd go read the mad satire, so you kind of knew. You kind of knew what happened in the movie. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like what, Alien, you know? You couldn't see Alien, but I'd go read the uh, the Mad Magazine, and I kind of knew there was like a face hugger and, and things coming out of people's stomachs and would, stuff like that. Would, it, would, would the Mad parody be called Alien Black? <laughs> <laughs> It'd be blah, blalian, blalian, But there was a few. There, you know, like we said, there was no nudity, uh, there was no swearing, and here's here's a few other things that were off limits at Mad Magazine. We we never liked victim humor. We really tried to stay away from what we called victim humor. I mean, what fun is it making fun of people who to who have cancer or are sick? Or who've died in a in a natural disaster of some sort. We we really did our best to not do that. Um, right. And I remember once that we 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 did a maybe a Don Martin cartoon. I remember once we did a one pager and, and the joke was at the expense of a bulimic, and a bunch of people wrote to us and you know we felt pretty shitty about it afterwards. But, you know why make fun of a bulimic? There's no there's no reason. We just we'd rather not do mm-hmm. it. So, you know, we really – that was kind of like our one in-house rule. I mean, in terms of language, I mean, I suppose we could have used fucking shit in, in MAD if we really wanted to. But, you know, that was an editorial choice that we we made. We didn't we, – right. we, 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 we chose not to go, go there. Um, I mean, there was, there was nudity in MAD at times. But it was always in, in in context. For example, if we were, uh, if Mort Mort Trucker or Jack Davis were illustrating an R-rated film that had kind of sexy content, they we might have a little bit of sexy, you know, art in Mad. But we we tried never to be g- gratuitous. With- so two things here, Scott, <laughs> and this is the episode where there's a lot of two things about things. <laughs> um, so I think this goes back to another episode we did here on Comedy History 101. Again, you know, Mad t- took on the voice of, you know, kind of the underdog, which is, of course, uh, punching up. And on a previous episode, which we did on our friend, and I put that in air quotes, um, Nick DiPaolo in right-wing conservative comedy, uh, you know, the reason we, we, we concluded, you know, that, that it fails is it's just a lot of, you know, punching down at the target. So, you know, Mad was always about, you know, it was always about punch. It was about punching up, and they even felt bad at, at, to be called out at something that might be considered punching down. Right. So you, you wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So anyways, they did have their share of controversy over the years. Um, the right around sort of the, uh, I think, you know, I think it was like pre Charlie Hedbo. Remember the controversy with the Danish comedian or the Danish cartoonist? The, yeah. That was the drawn Muhammad. Yeah. So what? And what takeaway would you, would you have uh, from the Danish cartoon controversy <laughs> if you were a cartoonist? Don't draw Muhammad. <laughs> it could cut it because why? People get mad, <laughs> and they do what? Blow blow you up and do not nice things. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that actually led to you know one of the uh, you know controversies that happened at Mad. Uh, 
why don't we just have Joe explain it in his own words? Age. I mean, the one and only time that uh, Muhammad appeared in Mad was in a piece that I wrote uh, called Other Religious Images and Food Currently Available on eBay. And that had – we had stuff in that like um, – we had stuff in that like uh, the Twelve Apostles in a Bucket of Chicken McNuggets right. and Ganesh and Baba Ganoush, and we had Muhammad in a, in, a, in a pancake, and it was based on the Virgin Mary and the Grilled Cheese Sandwich, and that was published right around the time of the Danish cartoon controversy. And, uh, oh, God, there are articles written about that. Um, you know, Mad was published in a Middle Eastern edition then, and right. we got a call. We got a call. Oh man, that was no fun. I mean, that was. I mean, that was. I mean, we laughed, but it was. <laughs> we probably shouldn't have been laughing. It's you know, it's fucked up. You know, you, you you never thought going into the business of of making mad that you'd be taking your life in your hands. But I, then again, I remember also we were there during the the whole Charlie Ebdo thing. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's like, holy shit. You know, I, there was extra s- security that Warner Brothers brought in for us. And I remember uh, John um, appeared, John, our, our I guess our, executive editor for all the years I was there appeared on I think it was CBS Morning News but you could you could uh research that and he uh wrote basically yeah. a comment and I remember walking into John's office that day and helping him craft that I mean you never expect that shit to to go down and you know we um we and I know I'm saying a lot here. We actually did a, a, a pretty famous piece. I believe it was the late '90s, but you'd have to check the date. We we mm-hmm. did a we did a a, a one pager on on pedophile priests. That and the, and the joke was that the that the um, priest was in the pulpit saying we're going to have a second. Uh, collection today because we have to basically cover our legal expenses for all the lawsuits about pedophile priests. Well, the Catholic League, you know, went berserk on us. They 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 wrote to us, they wrote to our publisher. Bill was gone by by then. Jeanette Kahn was the publisher that wrote to Jeanette and, and the letter they wrote. Holy shit, they accused uh, Mad of a pattern of abuse. <laughs> <laughs> that that's the actual phrase they use. Can you imagine that the Catholic Church, uh, uh, the the Catholic League, accusing Mad of a pattern of abuse? Or, I mean, we we love when stuff like that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, be, because it meant that we were that we were on the right track. Well, I mean, like it's like you were saying, they were you know when you when you're getting the the religious people angry, then you know you're doing something right. So um, I'm all I'm behind I'm behind Mad Magazine on that. Yeah, and it's kind of ironic that the uh, Catholic Church would come out and accuse somebody else of a pattern of abuse. I mean, it just kind of kind of says it all right there. So I mean, I think that's always good when you're thumbing your noses at the authorities, you know, which is that's the job of Mad Magazine. Yeah, but I, I think that, that that sort of take is very Trumpian, you know. The, the guy, you know, you, uh, you're the bully on the Twitter, and then 
you get bullied and then you 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 know you just contradict yourself right yeah totally well that's that's what you do when you talk to bullies it's it's you stand up to them and they they go away or they they learn their lesson yeah so i think you know i asked joe if like you know was because this era of trump do you think that was part of not you know mad sort of not downfall but uh you know part of the reason that uh this is an era where our political leaders kind of self-satirize themselves. They're like, how do you satirize something that's satir- that's already <laughs> so satirical in itself? Like it's just, you know, but, but he actually, you know, Joe said that, you know, this was actually an era where, you know, I mean, if you look around, it festers, you know, a lot of great comedy, you know, from like Colbert and John Oliver um, you know, Bill Maher, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, it was more about not a reflection on the Trump era, but kind of a reflection on just magazine print era in general. Like, not, you know, not only is Mad going away, but, you know, print magazines and newsstands are going away. Yeah, just in general. I mean, he brought up a good point. I don't know if you're going to play this part or we're going to use it as a quote. But the thing sure. that, that Joe was talking about how, because this is something that's always kind of started to rankle me, is like he was like, yeah, Saturday Night Live helped create Trump. And you're like, yeah, mm. don't start putting the people that you're making fun of on your show. Then you're like, because that just kind of deflates the whole thing. You know, like the way they would uh, have Trump on Saturday Night Live, then they started inviting Palin after a while, and it was just like, God. you know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just can't believe, like, there's two things about Trump. It was first one, Saturday Night Live. I mean, you're these are the targets. Why do you want them right, yeah. whipping quips and doing monologues and, you know, Sarah Palin involved in a rap video mm-hmm. on Saturday Night Live? And again, that's just a reflection on... I mean, we I, right now we have some of the best, you know, topical comedians. You know, uh, you know, John Oliver, you know, Stephen Colbert. I love his monologues, and you know, I love the Bill Maher show. But yeah, like uh, Saturday Night Live is just like unexcusable. And same with like just Jimmy Fallon messing up Trump's hair on his show. Yeah, I mean, he's right there, and that's all you can come up with. And uh, I mean, that's why that show just has no relevance whatsoever. I can't even believe, you know, it's on TV as yeah. we speak. I mean, that's what that's what's uh, so, um, yeah, interesting now. I was, I, was, I was losing my train of thought there. But you were talking about, so, oh, well, basically how the fact that, that Al, like, Trump has just outlasted Alec Baldwin, you know? It's just like Alan Paul is, is, is retiring from doing his Trump impression, you know? It's just like... Trump is kind of one in a way. Yeah, and again, <laughs> even that, it's just, oh man, it's just like old Saturday Night Live, it's just like, it was just, I don't know, it, it just, I don't know, I, I guess I just don't watch the current Saturday no, Night Live I, I don't, enough well, to uh, come to any judgment, but, no. you know, it's just pretty unfunny. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's there's some good people on there, but yeah, and then also, I think the other interesting, our, our, our many little... Um, <laughs> sidetrack here is that mm-hmm. like where once upon a time Saturday Night Live they would put musical guests they would like put people that they enjoyed to be on there whereas upon yeah. now, now it's more of like whoever is the number one in the charts even if people don't like them they'll be on the show 
you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at the second episode, and again, we'll have to do like let's yeah. do a, a episode on the first season of Saturday Night Live. <laughs> yeah. The second episode was, I, I believe, it, maybe it was the second. It was like Paul Simon hosted, and it was. I think there was like one comedy sketch in the whole show. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I think the only cast member in it was like Chevy Chase. Yeah, you know, they they still didn't like have their voice. It's right. really interesting to to watch that first season and watch it slowly get its voice because it it, it like the first few episodes are kind of shaky. Yeah. And like, you know, Belushi's just like in one or two sketches mm-hmm. until like he just breaks it out with his Joe Cocker yeah. impersonation which as as listeners of comedy history 101 will know that he that was something he did in the Lemmings show. Right. National Lampoon Lemmings, but um yeah, anyways, interesting to see. We digress. Um, here's Joe's thoughts on, uh, you know, working for MAD. And again, it's sadly, you know, the last issue is coming out in August. At, and, and, you know, after 67 years, it's folding. And another good point that Joe brought up is when you think of, like, National Lampoon, one of the great comedy magazines of all time, it probably only had 10 years of less of, you know, being at its peak uh, creativity and comedy prowess. Um, don't you agree? Yeah, I mean... Or it, disagree. No, no, I, the, I, the takes you could have on it. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I haven't read <laughs> Mad Magazine in quite some time, so, I mean, I wouldn't... I mean, for me, it seems like that, that 70s was kind of the, the peak of their era, and that actually was there. Wasn't that the... The circulation peak was, like, 74, 75? Yeah, two point four million. Yeah, so I mean, I think that was, you know, they were their heyday was kind of the seventies. Yeah, I mean, well, I think the sixties probably too. Yeah. That's when it, right. you know we have Jimi Hendrix, you know, looking at it. But um, you know, again though, you know, sixty-seven years as a magazine, like any magazine, sixty-seven years is yeah. pretty impressive. Not, yeah, but, it's pretty good. You know, and then the Lampoon is like you know another you know great comedy publication, but you know it probably only had like yeah like ten years of you know its top stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying. Yeah, it's 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 um, interesting when you see. Yeah, there's there's always that 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 uh, that little peak the peak, and then everything else is either coasting or pre coasting. Yeah, they just kind of start like what Saturday Night Live does. It's just. Mm-hmm. Re just repeating the same sketches over and over again. But here's here's Joe's reflection on 33 years at Mad Magazine. I, I think Mad is the only place in America where if you work there and you matured, you got fired. Um, I I was never fired. In fact, I was promoted. Um, and when you work at a when you work. Uh, at a place like Mad for that length of time, and you right. you, and re, and you remain kind of, I remain kind of rooted in my adult and my adolescence in some ways. I'll never grow right. out of it. I'm I'm I will forever be. I can't stop thumbing my nose. <laughs> <laughs> like I, it's like it's, it's like I wake up in the morning and I put my thumb to my nose and start twiddling my fingers at you know at the at the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's 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 uh reflexive at this at mm-hmm. this uh at this at this at this point. And and you know, I'll I'll also say this. Um that mad 
um, essentially, at its heart, it's it's not a brand. I understand that everything's a brand now, and it had right. to be a brand and so. But it's not a brand. It's it's a it's a mindset. It's a it's a it's a it's a lens through which one sees the world. And um, you know, I had the good fortune to inherit the uh, tradition, the voice, and and help make it my own. And that's what we all did. That that's what everyone on on that's what all the mad editors did. We 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 were fortunate enough to have the opportunity to 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 receive this. Uh, uh, well, call it what it is. It's just this this great satiric and uniquely American voice that that emerged out of the McCarthy era. It's yeah. really you know think about you know how bleak things were in the fifties, and Mad somehow yeah. was born was born then. So it's been it's been a it's been a fucking marvelous ride. It, it really has. So Scott. Um... Any final takeaways on Mad Magazine or on its uh, 67-year run? I think they had a good run, uh, thumbing their nose at the establishment for over 60 years. I think the coolest thing that I learned about Mad Magazine, you know, because I remember just, uh, I think a friend had a stack of them. This is probably in the late 70s, had a stack of them, and just kind of, so I, I got exposed to a bunch of Mad Magazines at one time. Um, I think the thing that was surprising to me, which I never realized even to this day, was that they didn't accept advertising. I think that's pretty cool. Yep, they didn't accept advertising. Uh, one final trivia, uh, William Gaines, the publisher, do you know he comes from a comic book family? Um, I read a little spot that his dad owned EC or something like that, right? Yeah, I think his dad was responsible for publishing, not writing, but publishing, uh, getting Wonder Woman. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Wonder Woman. I heard you guys talking about that, yeah, in the interview. Yeah, so again, I think that about does it. We've had two parts on the history of Mad Magazine. And with that, I think it's time to plug away. Scott, what do you have to plug? Uh, hey, Harmon. Well, uh, as our listeners have been hearing, uh, Harmon and I produced uh, a new documentary short called Everything That You Always Want to Know About Sudden Birth But Were Afraid to Ask. And yes, it is funny. Uh, that's currently touring around the United States. Um, I can't tell you. There's a couple secret screenings coming up, but you'll be able to find out where we are screening over at my website, scottcolonico.com slash suddenbirth. You can find out the latest screening information there. And uh, as listeners of the show will also know, Harmon and I have another podcast called This is the President, where we take found presidential audio and dissect it and make fun of it. Harmon will... Fills us in on the latest happenings in the United States, and that's uh, also where you can find iTunes and Google Play, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Also, along with that, we've uh, re, we've re, um, what was the word I'm looking for here? We've reignited our YouTube channel. This is the president. Uh, just do a Google search for that or on YouTube. This is the president where you can find out all our cool audio clips, like the the last episode that we just did, where uh, President Johnson is talking to uh, an aquanaut uh, who has breathed too much helium. Kind of a funny phone call. Harder to describe, but it's funny when you hear it. Ah, very nice, very nice. And for me, um, in August, I'll be appearing at the Edinburgh Festival in Scotland from August 17th through, I believe, the 26th. I'll be doing my 
brand new solo show, Herman Leon's American Horror Story. Also, I have a new book coming out July 30th called Tribe Spotting, Undercover Culture Stories. You can order it on Amazon. Also, take some time to subscribe, like, and comment on iTunes. Seriously, how long will that take you? Yeah, we'll nothing. read your comments on the air. Read them on Why the air. I haven't already done it. Yeah. Urgh, I'm angry. Urgh. Yeah. <laughs> so with that, thanks a lot for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Comedy History 101, where we school you in comedy. Bye bye. Bye bye. You're stupid. Everybody so stupid. Good thing about doing comedy in Russia, you have captured audience. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Comedy History 101. Yes, ma'am. I read you loud and clear. Yes, ma'am. This is... Yes, ma'am. This is... This is the present. Hey, everyone. Scott here. You just finished our Comedy History 101 podcast. So you like comedy and history. Then you should try out our other podcast, This is the President. In every episode, I dig up some found audio from one of our presidents and play it for Harmon, who's never heard it before. Then we talk about it. From Truman to Trump, we cover all your favorite presidents and not-so-favorite ones. You can also hear Harmon sounding off about current events and the state of America today. And, if you're lucky... You might be able to catch us reading customer reviews of Trump products on Amazon. You can subscribe to This is the President on iTunes, Google Play, Last.fm, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Just search for This is the President, subscribe, and together we'll make America great again. <laughs>